Anyone for a fish fillet? Hello, and welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley and Grace Brosniewski. Well, gee, we're officially in the Lenten season, which means we're on our way to spring, even if the weather doesn't currently seem like it. Yeah, you can say that again. I think we're just about through the coldest week of the year, uh, and I definitely sympathize with anyone who's feeling a bit cooped up or just sick of the winter cold and dark. Absolutely. Well, one way we know to keep ourselves engaged and having fun is connecting with our coworkers, and we're joined by a great one today. With us on the show today is Advancement Academic Advancement Director for the Mendoza College of Business, Natalie Sargent. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks, James and Grace, for having me. It's a privilege to be with you. Natalie, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Sure. So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, my uh, my dad is actually from Cincinnati. His parents moved there after World War II, and uh, both of their families had been um, in Appalachia in southeastern Kentucky for over 100 years before wow. that. So we're kind of relatively uh, recent uh, arrivals to Cincinnati, but it was a great place to grow up and um, a great chilly city. <laughs> yes, that's right. They have the sky skyline chili skyline. yeah absolutely i think you can buy it at martin's oh i didn't know that wow mm-hmm. isn't there another competitor for skyline as well gold star yeah that's right yes those are the two the two big ones do, do you have a dog in that fight in terms of <laughs> <laughs> well you know if if any of our uh, colleagues prefer Gold Star. I would certainly re- respect and be open to that point of view. Uh, <laughs> we certainly went to, to Skyline as uh, when I was a kid, and uh, the order you've, you've got to get is a uh, cheese coney, which is like a mm. hot dog in a bun with chili on top and then cheddar cheese on top of that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Is it, let's say, 11.07? So we're getting close to lunch, I guess. Man. So, so. <laughs> uh, so Natalie, tell us about your college experience. Sure. So I actually attended a women's college, Smith College in Western Massachusetts. Mm. Um, and it was a, a wonderful experience for me at the time. It was a small liberal arts college of about, uh, I think about 2,600 students. Um, and I think actually, as I look back, um, a lot of what I loved about Smith are the, the things that I think our students love about Notre Dame. So a very close-knit residential system. There, people don't talk about their, their dorms. They talk about their houses. So I was in Gillette House, the house of about 100 women, and, and many people will stay on campus and in their particular house for all four years, which I did. Um, and some of my, my best friends to this day are women that I, I lived with at Smith. Um, it's also got... At one time, every house had its own dining hall, and now they've been consolidated, so there are 11 dining halls, but each of them have a different kind of food. So I lived, you don't, you know, you don't get to choose your house by the dining hall, but I happen to live in the vegan slash vegetarian house. So I have, I have eaten more tofu, tempeh, and seitan in my day than most (laughs) people. Um, But it was a really fun experience. I think the faculty were, just as uh, here at Notre Dame, the faculty were very committed to to the students and, and to their well-being. So it was a wonderful time that, that preceded an even more wonderful time when I came to Notre Dame. So is it is it taboo then to move off campus? At that 
time. I'm trying to remember. You might have been required to live on campus all oh, four years. Okay. There were very, yeah. In fact, I think uh, a friend and I considered getting an apartment off campus your senior year, but you had to go through a formal sort of appeals process to do it. So wow. we decided to to stay on campus. Um, but uh, you know, it was a historic building with wood floors and um, the rooms were pretty spacious. I remember having a couch that we, I don't know, pulled off the street from somewhere. <laughs> a typical college couch. Yes. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> well, so what originally attracted you to Notre Dame as a graduate student? Sure. So the simple answer is the academic excellence. Mm. Uh, I was actually a religion major in college. So um, I was studying the New Testament and really mixed, you know, passionate about Greek and um, and Hebrew. And so Notre Dame actually has a, a program in the College of Arts and Letters called the Masters in Early Christian Studies, which is sort of co-administered by classics and, and theology. Um, and, you know, I, I come from a family of um, not a lot of, of educational attainment. My grandparents, you know, I think all four didn't even have a, a high school degree. My dad did not go to college and my mom was the first person in her family and still the only person in her family to have a, a four-year degree. Mm. And so I really um, felt very fortunate to be in the position where um, I had a, an opportunity to come to Notre Dame that financial aid made possible. And I had an opportunity to attend another school on the East Coast in Massachusetts. And I didn't have any family connections to Notre Dame, or um, I don't know that I had met any Notre Dame alumni really at that time. And so um, I, I did have a lot of connections and a number of friends at this other institution. And before I visited Notre Dame, I, it, it seemed to me like I'd probably go to, to that school, but this particular program was so distinguished and I was very excited about uh, the opportunity to visit Notre Dame and see what it was like. And when I got to campus, another student in the program was sort of my tour guide, and I got to have lunch with other students and meet the faculty. And um, as you both experienced, there's just something about Notre Dame that is so different. I had never experienced it uh, before. And even after 24 hours here, I, I really felt like I was starting to understand why we call it a Notre Dame family rather than mm -hmm. simply a campus community. Uh, and I decided to, to um, take that, that chance and, and come to Notre Dame, and it's been a wonderful experience ever since. And so um, ended up getting my master's and then um, changing course a little bit and, and getting a PhD. So Wow. it's a great story. So P PhD in early Christian, what'd you call it? Early? So I got a master's in early Christian studies, studies. and then... I pivoted and got my PhD in uh, modern U.S. history. So wow. it was, you know, just a change of about, you know, 1900 years. <laughs> um, so my PhD actually focused on the role of Catholic laywomen in advocacy and fundraising for um, the Catholic Church and how mm. they really helped to, to build the Catholic Church in the U.S. that we know today. Wow, that is interesting. My goodness. So from that, then, I think there's a segue into development work. So how did you become interested in development yes. work? Well, you know, I, I, my interest in development actually started as an undergraduate. I always mm. had 
three or four jobs, work study jobs going at one time at Smith. And uh, one of them, which was a real privilege to have was working as a server at the college president's house. There was a residence on campus. And, um, you know, I also walked the dog, polished the silver. Um, I was the world's worst kitchen assistant at one point to the cook who was you know, so gracious and kind to me, but um, working as an event server for board of trustee dinners and, you know, benefactor events and, and things like that, you got to see a lot of what I would, you know, come to know as the work of, of um, engaging benefactors and alumni at that point. And so that experience really stayed with me uh, as something I was interested in. And as I, uh, you know, proceeded with my studies, I was always looking for opportunities that I might be able to get involved with development at Notre Dame. And so when I was in the middle of my PhD, we didn't have the wonderful internship program that we do now at that time, but I had a friend who was serving as the first uh, intern for Maria Di Pasquale, the wonderful mm. former uh, academic advancement director for arts and letters. And I would ask my friend, also named Maria, uh, what is it like? What are you doing? You seem over the moon to have this internship and it's wonderful. What are you actually doing? And of course, you know, she had to keep a lot of things confidential, so she couldn't tell me that much about what she was actually doing on the day-to-day, um, but she was really excited about it, and she said, you know, I'll, I'll introduce you to Maria Di Pasquale, and perhaps, you know, you could um, find a way to, to do the internship as well, and so Maria and I met several times, and um, I uh, asked her if she would ever consider having me as, as an intern, and by the time I started interning in the spring of 2017, that was the first ever cohort of interns, I think. Um, and Kathy Wadalowski was also in that group. Oh, so wow. I remember meeting Kathy and of course being blown, you know, totally blown away by her. She's so talented. Um, so it was a wonderful um, experience and I, I learned a lot. I um, I still had a few years left to, to finish my PhD and um, I, I did not ever presume that I would have the opportunity to become NAAD, but that's how I, I got started. And the only way I can describe it is it, it felt like the gas had, had been on and, and that internship let the match. I mean, I was so passionate about coming in every day and, and getting to work with Maria and Dean McGreevy at that time and everybody in development. So um, it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm. I want to say one of my daughters has a Smith college uh, sweatshirt or something like that are the colors purple and gray they are blue and gold like notre dame oh, wow. <laughs> okay okay ah, interesting yeah, yeah. must yeah. be another but there may be another women's college that has purple and gray i'm thinking yeah wellesley maybe or maybe. could be yeah yeah huh interesting <laughs> yeah well um so a uh, huge shout out to the mentorship or the the internship, internship program brian certainly. ream and, and mary Flink mm-hmm. work on that um but so can you take us through a typical day in your position? Sure. Um, I think one of the wonderful things about be, working as an AD is no two days are ever alike. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, this week, you know, one, one day consisted of having a, my weekly one-on-one meeting with um, Dean Kremers. If he were here, he would say, call me Martin. So uh, I'll refer to him as Martin, but Martin and I would have our, our one-on-one 
um, go into a meeting with a, a benefactor to um, discern that person's passions and how they might be able to partner with us to, to advance uh, the Dean's vision at, at Mendoza. Um, you know, attend a, an inter-campaign college for one of my colleagues, hop onto another meeting um, about, you know, a corporate relations proposal, uh, and then end the day with a, a budget discussion about one of our programs in the college and, and how we can advance uh, what they're able to do through fundraising. So um, that was one real day in the life. Um, it, you know, it's, um, although it's, it's uh, I, I, I'm eagerly looking forward to when we can go back to in-person mm -hmm. work full time. Uh, at the same time, it's really just as fascinating um, in this virtual environment and, um, you know, I'm so privileged to both work on an amazing team and then to work with an incredibly inspiring dean in Martin and, and with wonderful faculty and students in the college. In a typical non-pandemic year when we're not working remotely, is your office in, it is in the dean suite, right? Yes. In Mendoza. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely. that hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, and would love to welcome you and Grace there anytime. Yes. Yes, oh, that would have been nice to do this podcast there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we have an abundant supply of LaCroix, which is one of our Ooh, Love LaCroix. <laughs> yes. My favorite flavor is mango. <laughs> I love the mango one too, actually. Uh, we don't have mango. We have um, the berry flavor. I think there's lime. And then what Michael and Longo refers to as water-flavored water. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Speaking of Michael Longo, we've had mm -hmm. quite a few members uh, of your team on the show. Can you tell us uh, about how you all work together and collaborate across the various colleges and departments that you represent? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, as I said, it's a really wonderful team. I feel incredibly grateful to, to be part of it. Um, we're very excited to soon be welcoming Ellen Roof to join mm -hmm. the team as well. Um, to give you an example, um, one of the ADs that I've worked with on a, a few proposals now is Matt Gelchin. Um, so let's say a benefactor is interested in um, uh, supporting uh, a program at Mendoza and as well as providing financial aid support that, that might help us to get students into that program. Um, Matt is incredible, at, in addition to just being an all-around kind human being, he's also incredible at, at pulling the data and using that data to tell a compelling story um, about it. And so, um, you know, we, we've worked together on a number of proposals like that. Mm -hmm. And then there are, you know, the other sort of natural um, uh, ways that our roles intersect. So, for example... You know, Martin and Dean Cole in the law school um, are, are uh, ambitious and excited about working together on a number of things. And so that would bring Kate Miller and, and me into more and greater collaboration on, on those sorts of things. Um, Brian Ritchie um, and, and Martin Kremers have some um, collaboration, important collaboration around the Idea Center and Innovation, our Innovation and Entrepreneurship minor, which is one of the four uh, business minors open to all Notre Dame students. Mm. And so uh, they, you know, Karen Deke and I work together closely on advancing fundraising for that. So it, there's never a week when 
I'm not reaching out to others uh, on my team, in addition to our, our team meetings and the natural ways that we would intersect. So um, it's really, uh, it, it's so exciting to have that opportunity to work closely with, with my team. Mm -hmm. What's the most surprising thing you've learned in your position? This may sound so obvious, <laughs> but I think I've been surprised by how moving the role is. You know, when I uh, came into this role, I knew that it would involve being highly strategic, uh, thinking about, you know, how we want to partner with the benefactor and, and you know, the journey that we want to walk with them on and how to get there. And being pragmatic in terms of the deliverables and the next steps we need to take to get to our goal. Uh, and I knew that it would um, involve engaging their passions and, and the mind and the heart, as, as we often say. I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for um, the emotional effect that that would have on me. I mean, you know, we, we hear Lunani say frequently, and as a division, you know, we, we say frequently, stay hungry and humble. Um, but it's the number of times I've been just blown away by an experience that, I, that I'm privileged to have with, um, with a benefactor. Um, it, it's really um, amazing. And I, I uh, could get very emotional speaking about it. Your role, Natalie, as an AAD is very, it's unique and it's dynamic as well because you work with uh, deans and professors and then you work with regional directors of fundraising as well mm -hmm. as with donors. So lots of stakeholders there. How do you manage mm -hmm. the expectations and the, the demands of these stakeholders? That's a great question, James. I, <laughs> you know, it, it really depends on... Um, the particular situation. Again, I think we're we're very fortunate to um, have a wonderful leadership team who are, um, you know, incredibly uh, thoughtful and strategic and fun to work with. Mm. Um, it's been a privilege to work with um, the regional directors um, and, of course, the, the the dean and others in the college that I get to work with. And I think often the first step is sitting down with the fundraiser, whether that's, you know, a, a member of senior leadership or um, one of the regional directors or even maybe uh, a regional director and their SRD to think about the strategy. Mm -hmm. What do we know about the benefactor? What do we know about their past philanthropy, both to Notre Dame and to other institutions? What do we know about their passions? What have they shared with us that they're passionate about? The RD and the um, senior regional director would typically bring that part of it. And then, you know, it's it's my job and the job of others on the AD team to bring the match with our college with a really exciting idea that, sure. that um, is going to inspire uh, our benefactor's passions. So, Typically, you know, we'd, we'd start with a strategy and then identify, again, as I said, the, the pragmatic part of the role, identifying the next steps and the deliverables that we need to get to the ask and even beyond that to get to a yes. Natalie, you spoke about how moving your position can be. Um, is there a gift or a donor experience that you helped facilitate that really stands out to you? 
gosh, there are so many, but one that that I, I think about frequently involved a, a benefactor who works with Kurt Bjork, and uh, uh, you both know Kurt and how what a what a kind and and uh, other centered sure. person he is, and so he had introduced me to um, uh, uh, an alum whose spouse had passed away um, a few years ago and. Uh, the spouse had been uh, an alum of Mendoza and she wanted to find a way to honor him. Um, and that's a really, uh, I'm tempted to say almost a sacred opportunity, right? You can't ever uh, give that person more time with their loved one who's passed. And so the best thing that we can do is to find the most meaningful way to, to honor that um, that person, given the the level of, of philanthropy that um, that we have to support whatever the idea is, and so this is actually a good example too of where you know I was able to get data from from Matt Galchin that really helped us to to bring this this lady to a place where she was really excited about the impact that that her gift in, in honor of her late husband could have. And where we ended up was actually a scholarship in honor in his, with, sorry, named after him um, in his memory and in his honor uh, with a preference for uh, a business student um, who's demonstrated some ethical leadership, which was important to her husband as well. And, you know, I think the idea that there will always be students at Notre Dame who have this, uh, this named scholarship um, and who have the opportunity to learn more about this person and, and his family um, for generations to come is, is really inspiring. And I know that the benefactor was very, you know, she loved that idea too. That's, that's uh, what she loved about it. And it was, uh, when I think about her reaction to, to the materials that we had put together and having phone calls with her, which were um, understandably at times emotional. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's so moving and to play even a small part in, in something like that, um, not to mention to, to get to work on, on things like that all the time. It's such an enormous privilege. I feel incredibly grateful to, to get to do this work. Mm, thanks for sharing that, Natalie. And shout out to Kurt Bjork. Yeah. He, is a, he is a cool guy. And as a matter of fact, G, we should invite him to be our next guest. We should. We that'd, be, should. that'd be awesome. Yeah, let's do that. I think of him in this kind of weather because I know he and his family are very <laughs> passionate about hockey. And this yes. is like, you know, snow and ice are no problem. <laughs> That's right. Um, speaking about hobbies and, and uh, hockey, I guess you said, I want to ask you about your hobbies outside of work. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you like to do for fun? Well, I think everybody's pandemic hobbies are staying mm-hmm. at home and eating <laughs> at home. Uh, but beyond that, I really love hiking or um, depending on uh, the lay of the land, sometimes in Indiana on the flatter parts, it's walking. Um, <laughs> but I try to get out every weekend um, and go somewhere for a, a long walk or a hike and just be be in nature. And um, I also love to cook at home. So um I've been doing a lot of uh, cooking. One of my Christmas presents was a small Le Creuset Dutch oven, and that mm. thing has been so yes, useful. They are so, awesome. 
absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of hiking and cooking. I would say reading, but I, I always think about a, a friend of mine who's uh, married to a faculty member, and she once said to him, "You need to get some more hobbies." And he said, "Well, I have a hobby, and my hobby is reading." And she said, "That does not count. <laughs> reading does not count." So yeah. I like to cook as well. I made a nice dish, well, in in my own opinion, the other night, Mm -hmm. uh, called pasta, no, spaghetti a la Nerano. And uh, it is uh, plain, just spaghetti with zucchini, actually, um, that's been infused with garlic oil, and uh, it was very tasty. So I highly recommend that. Wonderful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no doubt. See, I don't like to cook, so once this pandemic ends, I have to score some dinner invitations because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not eating that good. I hear you. You are welcome anytime, Grace. That's right, Thank G. We'll have you over And here. you as well, James. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, so, Natalie, you are the proud owner of, it. I know of at least one fighting Irish feline, mm. but, but you said something before that makes me think maybe you own more. So can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about them? Maybe you own more cats is a phrase that's, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, yes. So, uh, Theo is a, uh, was featured as a fighting Irish, um, feline and, uh, he is a big personality. I mean, he's got the personality of a, a Labrador puppy. I would say. He mm. loves to play fetch. He's got a huge appetite. He's very stubborn, uh, very active, very social. And I thought he would be very happy as, as an only cat. And uh, over time, he just kind of made it clear that he needed a buddy. So, um, so now there's Eddie as well. So I, you know, jokingly call them Ted and Ned. Um, and Eddie is just, uh, you know, uh, chill, relaxed. Uh, I wouldn't, I won't say little guy cause they're, um, they're only kittens and Theo's already 12 pounds and Eddie is 10 pounds. So I'm a little bit, they don't turn, one until later this year. I'm a little bit worried about uh, the trajectory that we're on, but two of my colleagues, Kate and Karen, actually have mini schnauzers who are so adorable. They're awesome. Um, but Theo is now larger than either of them. Wow. So that, <laughs> that worries me, but they're great. I think, especially in the pandemic, you know, having a, a pet and getting to spend a lot of time with them is really awesome. Our last, uh, guest just last week or a couple weeks ago, Suzanne DiGiulio. She has a Theo as well, her dog. Yes. She and I talked about that because I <laughs> we were on a call and I heard her calling to her dog and I said, I'm sorry, is your dog named Theo? Because my dog-like cat is also named Theo. But uh, <laughs> I am, gosh, I'm behind on the Instagram game. I mean, I know her Theo, what did she say, has 13,000 followers 13, on Instagram? Yeah. I was blown away by that. And Theo's got zero followers because he doesn't have an Instagram. <laughs> if you build but it, they I, will you know, come. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she said she's getting swag for Theo based yeah. on the Instagram and at the rate that my cats are eating, I should probably check that out. But um, <laughs> yeah. Now we're coming up on hard to believe because what is time anymore, but uh, almost a year of working from home here in a, mm-hmm. maybe three weeks or so. Are there any strategies, Natalie, or tips that you found really helpful in setting up successful work from home routines? Sure. Well, on a lighthearted note, the first thing I'll say is 
I think a lot of us now that we're we're working from home, we're really thinking about the things that we uh, I don't know that we need them necessarily, but that make our our working from home lives uh, a little more comfortable. And uh, one of the things that I um, bought was a Nespresso machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I only drink decaf, but you know having the Nespresso and just you know feeling like I've got a little bit of a treat in the morning to get yes. my day started, especially if you can get what is it called? The Crystal Springs Creamery Milk. It's the kind that comes in the glass bottle. It's really fresh and delicious, but having a little milk in my espresso in the morning really helps me to, to get off to a good start. I also, depending on the time of day and depending on what kind of project I'm working on or whether I'm going to be in meetings, I like to move around. So I've got a kind of box um, that's the perfect height for to put my laptop on and um, have kind of a standing desk on top of one of my counters and then I'll also uh, put it on the dining room table and just kind of move around depending on um, on what feels right when the weather was less cold you know sometimes either over lunch or first thing in the morning before starting my day I'd go for uh, you know a walk around the block a couple times Mm -hmm. and just get the blood flowing I find sometimes um, when I'm out on a hike or out on a walk those are the times when you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm sort of relaxing, but on the other hand, I'm really able to be creative and do some of my best, you know, advance some of my best work when I'm just free to, to think about it. So there's actual uh, science out there that, that shows that your creativity does uh, increase when you're out walking, especially in nature. Oh, that's great to know. I didn't know that. I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear that though. That's probably the the one thing I miss most with this weather is I'm not kind of getting those lunch walks in and mm-hmm. you can tell, you can tell when, when it's too cold, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, in better weather, I actually like jogging and running and um, that's really where, you know, in the cold weather, I just can't do it, but uh, I don't mind the cold. I'd rather be in a, a too cold a climate, I guess, instead of too hot a climate. But I do, I also miss, you know, our, our, work in person at Mendoza and on Eddy Street because I mean I was constantly walking between those two buildings I think I've when I you know I'm quite short right so I've got short legs <laughs> short stride um, but I think I've got it down to like a seven minute um, walk and um, I really miss that. Well so what are you most excited for this year either personal or professional? My hope is that we will be able to, to return to in-person or predominantly in-person. I will go into campus once or twice a week, depending on, on what meetings I have and what makes sense. But I really think there is such value in seeing our colleagues every day, face-to-face. Um, and, you know, having that, uh, let's say, unstructured not so much unstructured time maybe, but those collisions in, in the hallways of Eddie Street or Grace Hall to say, hey, how are you? You know, how is your uh, brother doing? Or how is your child? Or um, those sorts of things. And I, I, I really miss that. But I also feel very hopeful that after the incredibly challenging year that, that all of us have had, um, that we're going to value that those times together and, and just seeing each other so much more. Again, I, I, I feel so fortunate that we've been able to continue the work that, that our division does in spite of the circumstances. And it's, 
you know, more necessary than ever. This institution needs us more than ever. But on the other hand, you know, I, I think we will just be so joyful to, to see one another in, in the way that we uh, were able to formerly. So um, I, I think that's really exciting to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself, we're getting closer every day. That's right. We may not quite know yet when that finish line uh, is for all of us with the vaccine, but we're getting closer every day. Absolutely. And I have to, you know, kudos, many kudos to James and to Gavin McGuire, because I think the um, starting our UR walks has been really awesome. Oh, I've great. really enjoyed this. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, they're fun. It's it's just a way to, it's, it's one thing to, you know, see your colleagues on the screen and all that. But when you're in person and you're able to share stories and, you know, be socially Yeah, you distanced. and I had a really good <laughs> chat and I learned more about, you know, your family and your daughters as we were, well, sorry, you were doing quite well on the walk. I was huffing and puffing up the side <laughs> of the slope. So. <laughs> uh, hopefully your shoes have recovered from that, that oh, walk. They're absolutely fine. They're wonderfully broken in now. I just <laughs> a bit bad because I, you know, Grace, if you were there, you would have seen James was having no problem keeping up with the group. It's no secret that Lou keeps a very brisk pace. And I was at the back of the line, like I'm (laughs) barely making it. (laughs) James was really very, very um, kind to to stay with me and go at probably a slower pace Uh, than he could have. I did enjoy our conversation and that's what that's all about. Yeah. Well, Natalie, my goodness, this time has gone so quickly. We are almost at the end of our our time together today. But before we let you go, we've got a quick take five for you. Are you ready? Awesome. Favorite spot to eat on campus? Modern Market. Best class you ever took? There have been so many uh, really great classes. I mean, our faculty are, are just... Awesome. Um, probably John McGreevy's 20th century course that I took during mm. my PhD. He nice. taught me a lot about teaching and engaging people because he is a cold caller, man. I mean, you better be prepared because <laughs> he will, you know, be talking and then in the midst of a sentence, he'll go, Natalie, what do you think about that? And, you know, or James, what do you think yeah. about that? And it was, um, it, you know, you really had to be on your toes, but it, it really, it also made for a much more engaged class where we were all prepared and it got everybody speaking, not just the people who like to talk. So that was wonderful. Animal that best represents your personality. What's a talkative animal? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the when I think of a, a favorite animal, um, I, I would say octopus because you know they're they're highly intelligent. Um, they are to some extent sort of introverts, but also social creatures, and they're uh, very curious. Mm. Um, but their intelligence is also. while it's clearly profound, it's not intelligence um, in the way that we think of it. So I'm certainly not comparing myself to an octopus, but I I see the octopus as a symbol symbol of creativity and possibility. So I love that. Wow. 
Natalie Sargent. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. A favorite moment with Notre Dame development so far? So hard to choose. Mm. There are so many, and I think every day has has them. I think being with my team, you know, whether it's a weekly sport meeting or, uh, you know, Michael Longo has, has been very intentional about celebrating the accomplishments of, of various uh, team members on uh, when they, when we collaborate and, and see a great goal with our wonderful regional directors and senior regional directors. And, um, you know, the typically, you know, we would get together for an evening to celebrate those milestones and, um, on the one hand, I think it was wonderful for inspiring the team to be, to continue to be humble and hungry and uh, ambitious and pursuing ever greater goals into the future. Um, but on the other hand, I, I just get to work with, with great people and the same, you know, in the college. There's, uh, there's, we have so many wonderful leaders at Notre Dame and there's nobody I'd, I'd be more excited about working with than uh, Martin Kremers. He's so inspiring. He's got an amazing attitude and a heart for people. And yeah, it's just, it, I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish, but <laughs> the job is so much fun. That's the other thing that, oh, that has to not hear. totally surprised me. I'm, I'm, uh, I had a, um, and a guess that it would be fun, but it's been more fun than I ever could have expected. Uh, last one, favorite cold weather day activity. It's either, it's either hiking or hot chocolate. Maybe both. Maybe hiking yes. with a hot chocolate. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's right. <laughs> and you have to drink it fast because then it becomes cold chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great point, James. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. We had a great time talking with you and getting thanks to learn. For having me more about you and your passion. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, for volunteering. I know we went on our, our UR walk and you were like, uh, I'd like to be on the podcast. So I appreciate you speaking up. Sure. I'm just sorry that next week I won't have a, a an episode that I haven't heard yet. <laughs> I live for when Grace of Giving comes back. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks. <laughs> so James, mm-hmm. what are you giving up for Lent? Oh, oh, you promised not to judge. Uh, mostly. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is, this is really the truth. I could eat popcorn for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I, I just, I love popcorn. I love to pop it here at home and make it. I love the smell of it. Um, maybe a little bit too much information, but it, it does tend to bloat me <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> So I'm going to give up popcorn for the next uh, a few weeks here during Lent. <laughs> okay. All right. That's legit. That's okay. legit. All right. How about you, G? Uh, I've been uh, thinking about the idea of, you know, adding something like adding time for reflection or time for volunteering. So I, I'm going to try that out. Um, but, you know, there is one thing I just can't give up. Hmm. What's that, G? Making jokes to intro or close. <laughs> No, you cannot. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Well, thanks for listening to the Grace of Giving podcast. I am James Riley. And I'm Grace Krasniewski. And this has been the Grace of Giving podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, stay Stay golden. golden.